A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. Resilience is defined as the process and outcome of successfully adapting to difficult or challenging life experiences, especially through mental, emotional, and behavioral flexibility and adjustment to external and internal demands. This is the third time I've interviewed Dr. Marie-Helene Peltier. She's the first person on this podcast to be interviewed three times, and she's soon to release a new book, The Resilience Plan, that's now available for pre-order. Marie Helene is an international keynote speaker, executive coach, work psychologist, workplace mental health expert, and author. Marie Helene, so great to see you. I was saying to you before, you're, this is your third time on my podcast. I've had, I think, two other people come on twice, and you're one of them, but it is a record that you're the third one to come on, so thank you for coming back. I'm so, so excited and you know glad that we've been able to continue this conversation over a couple of years. Oh, I am thrilled and honored to be uh, the record breaker. It's <laughs> <laughs> wonderful to be here. And, and same, like you said, it is a conversation that we need to continue to have and that evolves over time. And so um, glad that we're here talking about this important topic. Exactly. And it really does. And I mean, as, as I think we both see working in companies, it it's, makes such a difference when you bring up these conversations when they hear someone talk when they start to have different conversations but if it doesn't evolve over time and continue you know we don't get that change so it's a good example I guess of what you're saying there so um, I'm super excited to just hear I guess in general can you give us a bit of a update about what you've been doing since we last spoke Yes, yes, thank you. I've been uh, continuing to do a lot of work with uh, professionals, leaders, organizations on workplace mental health. And in some of the work, all of the work that I do, whether it's with audiences or individuals in my uh, coaching work, there often is this knowledge about the importance of resilience and how we need it for to meet all the challenges that we're facing and that we're excited to face in many cases. But then how do we bring it uh, forward? And that's this continuation of this work that has led to me thinking, okay, wait a second, there may be a way to help save time and pain to some degree by getting some of this information together in a book. And so therefore the book appeared since the last time you and I talked, finally, very excited about this and excited to have the conversations that connect with it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And the book's called The Resilience Plan. And yeah, we'll talk a lot about the book on this this episode. And at the end, we'll everyone listening, we're going to give links and information of what you can do if you want to purchase the book and find out more information. But um, it it really is such an important topic, resilience. And I think it's something that we all have heard about. Uh, but I think like so many things when it comes to mental health, well-being, there's a lot of conversation, there's a lot of buzzwords but are we actually taking the action and doing the right steps daily are you you know burnout's a, a huge thing that we see are you saying um that that is a problem that we're not it's, we're not getting that sustainability i guess in making these changes 
That's right. That's the key word, the making the changes. As you say, we've talked even more about it with the pandemic in the last few years and the overall global increased focus focused on our workplace mental health with the World Health Organization declaring burnout an occupational phenomenon in the past few years. So it's more on the radar and that's a wonderful thing. It needs to start somewhere and that's where it starts. That being said, even if practically everyone knows because we've heard it and we know the kinds of actions we should take to increase our resilience, it doesn't mean we're taking them. And mm. what we're also seeing connected with this, but not entirely um, as a result of this, we also see burnout rates not only stay stable, they're increasing. Wow. And, and so with all these going on, what can we do to change that trend? Uh, we've all, many of us have invested in doing the type of work we want to do, we're wanting to contribute in and hopefully as much as possible we enjoy, but then people are burning out. So something needs to change. Something's not right. We have the information. We're still not implementing. We wish we did. And that's this, this disconnect that is fairly striking that I thought, let's, let's see what we can do about this. Wow. And, and I mean, that's pretty amazing to hear that it's getting worse. The burnout's actually getting worse with all of this information we have about it. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? I guess, what, what do you think is one of the main causes of, the, of that reason? It's a great, uh, great and complex question, because if it was a simple answer, <laughs> we would be on it, uh, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah. Everyone, all organizations. So let's step back for a quick moment to, to, just to look at the definition of burnout. So definition of burnout from World Health Organization, um, and it's all based on, of course, research and, and information we have. Three main components, and that they don't necessarily appear in this order, so it varies. We also know this from research, but three components. One is exhaustion, which often we equate with burnout. It's not just that. It's a comp component of exhaustion, a component of cynicism, and a component of decreased performance. So it's impacting um, the quality of, of our work. So three components, okay, which doesn't mean we need to wait to have all three to take action, obviously, but mm. that's the definition, just so we're all on the same page. The other impo important component of burnout is that it is not in the individual and it's not in the workplace. It's the relationship between the two. That's where the problem happens. And that's very important because we sometimes have heard messaging that suggests that it is all in our hands as individuals. Mm. And very often I've worked with individuals who are burnt out, which is, and is not a diagnosis, but it does lead to diagnosis like depression, anxiety, things like that. And they feel like it's all in their hands. And that's a mistake. It's, and it's an important mistake because given that it's in the relationship, Sometimes most of the source is actually in the workplace, not mm. in us as individuals. So, and that's critical because otherwise we could think that if we do all the things over here as individuals, we'll be, we'll have immunity in some ways. No, we won't. Yeah. In a context that's demanding enough or toxic enough or wrong enough, it doesn't matter how many actions we're taking. It's still not going to work. So it's important to know. But the notion that I bring forward in, in my work and in, in this book is that 
we still want to increase our individual resilience as high as we can because two reasons. We have control over it. That's already some, some good reason. But the second thing too is that even if all the problem is in the workplace, let's say the entire source is there, we can't just sit here and wait for them to change. We're going to be impacted and at some mm. point it may impact our mental health. So we want our resilience to be as high as possible so we can either find solutions to this or even make the decision to leave. Yeah, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. And, and I guess it's like anything where, so we're, because these are collective efforts and I guess a company's like a microcosm of society and we've got the same problem in society until we change as a whole, until we educate people more about this, until we can have better regulation, I guess, around how we use certain devices. And I, I don't know, until there's like a whole change in that area, it's going to be really difficult for an individual to make these changes and the same in a company. But while that change is happening, we need to be as accountable as we can to take that responsibility because otherwise it just won't change. So it's, it, I guess it needs both sides of it. We need the individuals and we need the companies to, to make these changes. Yes, yes, we do. And as individuals here, sometimes the, the thinking I've heard is, well, the problem is in my organization, in the organization mm. I work in right now. It's not for me. Not, it's not mine. I'm, I have not done anything problematic. So I'm going to let them fix it, wait for it to be fixed. And the challenge, like I'm saying, is that depending on how long it takes, and usually it is not quick because it's a yeah. large uh, system to change, then in that duration, things will continue to impact us. And eventually, and, and uh, we can't override our mental health. We cannot say, well, it's their problem. I'm going to wait. It's for them to fix. Yeah. During this time, it's having an impact. Right? And so that's why we're, we do need to take action here. That makes a lot of sense as well. Yeah, it's like it's going to compound the longer we leave it. We're going to get worse and worse and worse. So um, resiliency is talked about so much now. You know, there's a lot of it, it really is a buzzword. There's a lot of talk about it. Yeah. Is there being is, is there misinformation about it? Are there sort of is it being sort of not really put into practice enough? Are there and what does it actually mean? I guess like you know, because it's there's so many different people talking about it, but I think that people get confused because they probably think, okay, I, I need to be more resilient, but how do I be more resilient? What does that actually mean? Where do I begin? Yes, yes. All good uh, all questions <laughs> people ask themselves. So let me uh, start with definition. There are many definitions. The one I work with and many researchers and um, others work with as well is our ability to go through adversity and grow from it, come out mm -hmm. even stronger. Okay. So if we go with this defi definition, and if we look at the research about resilience, it almost acts as a protective factor for our mental health, not the immunity, protective factor. And the ways in which we increase it, there are multiple ways, some that, again, we're very familiar with. That's not where the problem is. I'll get to it in a second. But the ways we know from research uh, we will increase it, some of which you talk about in your own work, Nick, I'm, I'm aware, and it's wonderful. Things like, yes, exercise, doing 
um, cardio strength and meditative type activities, our nutrition, huge impact. We're seeing more and more research on this. Mm. Um, our sleep, of course, investing in time with people we enjoy spending time with. So our social interactions. And then these are the top four. There are others like spending time in nature, doing volunteer work. There are a number of areas. The source of the ways in which we can increase it is not the issue. The issue mm. is implementing. I'll work with individuals who are very busy doing whatever uh, they're doing. And then I'll ask what kinds of things do they do to increase their it's almost like the supply side of a supply and demand uh, equation. And they say, oh, yeah, I exercise, I meditate, I sleep, you know, all these things. And I say, okay, so in the last two weeks, how many times? And then they'll pause and they'll say, well, the past two weeks have been very busy, but mm -hmm. uh, that is in general what I'm trying to do, which is, I think, an illustration that we've all gone through at times where we know what we would like, we have an idea of that, that recipe, if I can almost say it this way. But the cookie cutter approach does not work. It needs to take our context into account. And that's where the problem is. Uh. That's also where the solution is. Hey guys, if you're enjoying this podcast, please click the subscribe button, leave a like or comment, share with your friends and follow me on Instagram at Nick Brax. I really appreciate your ongoing support. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because everyone's different everyone's got different constraints and i think it's like you're saying it's easy to point out okay these are the things that are going to help us these are what could work but one individual might have a different tolerance for how much they can take on another person might have you know family commitments and all these other things so it's like within that time frame and within what's available how do we work a plan out so is that something your book helps with to to give a bit of a blueprint, I guess, to allow people to create their own resilience plan? Yes. And, and you touched on two key things. It will differ between individuals and also within individuals. So you and I at different moments and everyone at different moments in time, we will need something different. So the plan will need to evolve. And so, yes, that's, that's the idea. You know, the book emerged because of uh, a lot of my work is with people who are familiar with what, how we approach business decisions. And, um, and most of us will relate to this. Like if a business is about to launch a new product, for example, they don't just say, oh, we've got this new product. Let's go put it on the market. What they do is they'll look at, okay, what else is already on the market that looks like this? How much does it cost? How many people buy it? What else is going on in the overall world, in the overall moment in time that may influence how much people will want this thing moving forward or not? Mm. What's a possible threat? What's the opportunity? You see the language, right? We, we will use this kind of thing. So a lot of attention is paid to the context. Huh. And if we compare it, to over here, our resilience, it's almost as if we do version one of this. We say, oh yeah, I want to be more resilient. I'm going to go mm -hmm. exercise and then we don't do it. And what we're doing with the book is using the same concepts for, from business. I'm bringing best research from psychology, best practice from business together to show yeah. how we can use a similar process where instead of just saying, oh yes, I should exercise, we instead look at our context. Okay, so if these days, your schedule is such that whatever it is, you're traveling so much or your commitments on a daily basis are such that, no, you do not have the one hour 
to make it to the gym, do a half hour or 45 minutes and come back, then how are you going to maintain your resilience through possibly this or other ways? And so the the book brings us towards various tools so that we can actually implement. Tools like, okay, let's get back to our values, which organizations would do here, right? What's their core values? We do the same. What kinds of sources of demands am I facing? You gave great examples. Sometimes we're trying to increase our work resilience and we're not considering the personal demands that are going on. Mm. Need to consider this in the full picture. So the book really makes, makes sure we review all the demands and the sources of supply we have. It makes sure we explore all parts of our context, the same way businesses would do, to create a plan. And there's a structure and a way to get there. It's simple. That's the main comment people give to me. And I've done workshops also on this. The same comment comes there that, okay, I thought it would be complex. It isn't. It yeah. just requires a bit of attention so that we can have a plan that's very personal for each of us that will evolve over time. And it does. And then having flexibility within that plan as well, like you're talking about there, that maybe there'll be a week or a few days where you, you just can't find the time to get to the gym or whatever it is. So having a contingency plan that, okay, how do I manage it? How do I be fluid when these situations come up? Is that another part of it? That is absolutely part of it because a successful plan is not a rigid one. It's one that can adapt. And yes, in the book, I've also used some of my experience, the experience of people I've worked with to identify key moments where we'll need something different. I'll give you an example, our vacation. We'll go on vacation and think, oh, well, of course, it's going to be a moment of increased <laughs> mental health and physical health and resilience because it's a vacation. Not necessarily, unless... A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You've made a plan for how that's going to look like. It mm. may not happen. It's a positive change. It's a nice phase and all. And having versions of your plan for this kind of um, week or moment is also necessary. And then there will be some for others. If you're traveling a lot for work, how does that look like then? If something completely unexpected is happening at work or personal life, how do we modify the plan then? And that makes it more adaptable and successful. Yeah, again, makes so much sense. And I guess so that that would one of the the big misconceptions about resilience and I guess anything in in personal change um you know people I've seen this so much where it's often black and white it's sort of all or nothing where someone will think I need to be more resilient so that means I'm just going to have to go all in and whatever's thrown at me I'm going to just do whatever it takes and that motivation might be there in that moment but maybe in a month's time you don't have the motivation. So if you haven't built the systems and the daily practice, how do you do it? So I, I guess like, is that a, a big thing that people understand what it is, but they're not really being honest about how do I do it? I, you know, I see it with exercise all the time. People say, I want to 
lose weight. I'm going to do this thing. And they've talked about it for years and they have this motivation and they go almost too far for the first month and then they just stop. They never, you know, it's this all or nothing attitude where the answer lies in let's actually change our daily behaviors and, you know, make it part of our life and there's no end to it. This is forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, you're touching on very important points. Uh, one of them is the importance of being realistic uh, about the plan. And one of the ways that will make it realistic for each of us is that it's going to be very customized, very personalized yeah. to each of us. And so say with the example you're giving, someone would want to, let's say, bring more uh, physical exercise in, in their daily life. The more they can, if they've done the work to explore the the list, the group of the values they have. So highly unlikely mm. this individual only values physical exercise. More likely than not, they value other things. For example, they may value spending time with friends. They may value, I don't know, learning, for example, or spending time in the mountains, whatever, group of values. So then if we're looking at the group of values and we're looking at the sources of supply and demands they're facing and the overall context they're in, then it will force them almost to take a bit of a distance from this intention to go very intense right now and then lose motivation in two months. Mm -hmm. And instead, see that, okay, we're here now today. The next few months are likely going to be busy. And there is this big project due in three months, maybe, or whatever, like really taking a bit of a distance so that the choices we're making today are really sustainable over those next few months. And maybe the plan then will be revisited after three months for the next, whatever, the next quarter. And so it keeps it alive. It keeps it dynamic and, and mm. adjusted to where we are, which in itself adds to the motivation. That makes so much sense because we can, if we're not crystal clear on our values and reminding ourselves, we might have the best intentions in the world and understand what we need to do, but it's not going to be strong enough. It's not going to last on those days where, or weeks or months, you know, when we're just in a slump and we, you know, we just don't want to do anything. That's when we really need to remind ourselves, hang on, what's my value? Why am I doing this? Why do I need to make sure that I look after myself and do all of these different things because it's so easy to fall out of it and life no matter who you are life 100% is going to you know be up and down and throw obstacles at you yes yes and you see how the parallel with business is is exactly there that's when people either launch a new product or an entrepreneur starts a business whether they write a formal business plan or just have one in their head what this will do having a clear strategy is that it does, to your point, keeps, it keeps them on track, right? Because yeah. different demands will come, different opportunities will come, and you can't possibly take them all here as a business. You'll have to decide where you're focusing and, and maintain that strategy, or if it needs to evolve, evolve the strategy and then continue to follow it. Same thing here. To your point, with that clarity on our values and on our plan, if we created one, then we'll know what where we're, we're going to say no, we're not going to invest here and where we're going to maintain our focus because that's the plan. And if the overall plan looks like it needs to change, we will. But it's not going to be just me going in one direction or the other based on, oh, the values of this organization here or the values of this person over here. I have clarity on my values, my plan. 
I will still consider. If I need to change my direction, I can. But it will be a deliberate decision as opposed to being yeah. taken by waves uh, all over, which at some point we will not be able to sustain this. No, exactly. And, and consistency is everything. And, you know, you look at the best athletes or people excelling or, you know, even recently, like I've been watching Novak Djokovic in the tennis. I love tennis, although I'm a Nadal fan, but I, um, you know, Djokovic, you see the consistency and he follows these same routines daily. And a lot of it's probably boring, but over a period of time, the results speak for itself. The results do. And in the the context of this, like having your strategic resilience plan, for sure, you'll want the consistency once you have your plan. And for sure, also, this plan will change over time. I had someone in mm. one of my workshops that happened to uh, take this workshop once, and it was January just last year. And so she created her plan. And then I happened to, well, she invited me to come and speak to your her own uh, leadership team in her workplace. So I came and she was there and she just availed herself to the exercise again. And she spoke to me after and how she realized that the plan she had created four months earlier in January had now been in place and followed and all this. And so she was actually ready to create her next plan. Mm. And that's how she used that workshop. So yes, you create it, then it gives a direction that is not that hard to follow because it's so connected with what you want. It just feels natural by then. So you do it. And eventually, you'll be ready for the next version of this plan, which will then follow. So it's not one and done forever. It's yes. one, you've learned the process, so you implement it now, great, and then you evolve it. But once you know how to do it, you can do it again. It makes so much sense. Yeah. So what would you say, anyone listening right now, someone that's at that point where you're you're feeling burnt out and they have reached that point where they just don't know what else to do they just hit a wall they're you know they're they're feeling so stuck what what would you suggest as a first potential step to someone uh in that position it's a it's a position that we sometimes feel close to or in, right? Most of us during different points in time, depending on yeah. life. I would say if we are, though, where you're describing, like you're feeling stuck, don't know what to do next, that kind of thing. When people ask me this, then I say, in that state, you talk to someone. Because it's hard when you are actually there, the bottom yeah. of your tank, practically, it is actually hard. It's not a moment where I say, oh, read a good book, as good as <laughs> this book maybe. I would say it's not, it's hard. But your level of energies usually when you're there are so uh, much lower that it's, no, your concentration's not great. And we need an, a second head. So I would say in that context, you talk to a mental health professional. That's what mm -hmm. that's where I would send um, people. And if you don't know where to start, then go for a physical health professional who will help you find it and, and look for that professional until you found them. That's what I would say there. If you're thinking you're close to it, like you can, you can see it from here. So you're not yeah. there right this second, but you could see it. You know that your ability to deal with demands is just a bit um, harder to find than, than yeah. it was, say, not so long ago, then I would say that's when you want to, I would say, go back to actions that have worked for you before. Because even without me being specific about someone or having talked to someone, if we know something has worked for you before, 
it likely will work for you again now. So I would return to this. You've likely let it go and Mm -hmm. you're busy or whatever. So I would say, go back to this. It may help start climbing out. That would be um, my second recommendation. And then if you're even further away, then that's when you can maybe step back and uh, take these steps of looking with more, uh, with more of a global and personal and realistic eye to your overall context and then identifying something that's achievable. And then buy your book. Let's, you know, get the resilience plan. February 6th, February 6th, <laughs> 2024. It's going to be there. You can pre-order now. Um, and, uh, but that's where, um, that's when it's coming out, coming out. Okay, great. So anyone, anyone listening, where, where would be best for them to go if they want to, yeah, pre-order or, you know, try and learn get more. the book, yeah, yes. learn more. Theresilienceplan.com website. It will connect with everything that I do, including the book. So theresilienceplan.com. And February 6th is when it comes out for anyone listening. So, so make sure to check it out. Yeah. And is there anything else you want to, um, just before we go into these final questions, anything else about the book that you would like to mention before we go into that? I would say um, stay curious in general about the ways in which you can actually make some changes. Uh, about the book itself, it's a concise book. So if you're about to board a longer flight, you're going to be able to go through the book and come out with your plan. I know my audience is busy, does not have time for the longer conversations. So uh, it's, a, it's a business book that's, uh, you can read it in a longer flight and, and uh, benefit from it immediately. Hey guys, if you're enjoying this podcast and want to learn more, I've released my first book, Move Your Mind, How to Build a Healthy Mindset for Life, where I talk about my own journey with mental health and share tips from experts on how to maintain a healthy mindset. You can buy the book on Amazon or through my website at nickbrax.com slash book. I love that. I love those kind of books. And, you know, it's, I guess, the, the practicality of it and it's there and it's a tool that, and, and the last thing people want, you know, when they're wanting help in this area is to feel more overwhelmed. So I think that's really fantastic. And, you know, again, highly recommend anyone feeling any of these um, symptoms, go and purchase this book, check it out because, yeah, I know, I know you how valuable your work is and, I'm sure it's going to help so many people. So thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, We finish every interview with five closing questions and um, we've done this, like I said at the beginning, twice with you. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, what what answers come up. Um, These can be sort of quick, whatever comes to mind. Um, The first one is, what's your best best childhood memory that comes to mind? Ah. And you're right. I don't remember what I uh, said to this last time. Um, I'm going to say uh, going for hikes uh, in the, the forests. Uh, on, but on the East Coast, the, the mountains are older mountains. So they're not mm. as, they don't have the peaks that we have on the West Coast here. Um, but they're wonderful in the fall. And uh, I still love yeah. the fall very much. So that would be a really good one. It's such a beautiful time of the year. Yeah, it really is. What do you think is currently the biggest burden on mental health in society? Oh, um, currently, um, well, and there may be a, a few. I'll say one that connects with the the topic of of my book is the assumption that professionals and leaders are resilience by definition, and therefore don't need to do anything about it. You're already there. You don't need to do anything about it. Move on to more of the technical demands of your work. 
And, and that's a, a misconception that becomes a burden because if we switch that mindset to one where we can be proactively taking, uh, creating a plan and implementing it, then that will change things significantly. Mm, that's really interesting. What is your personal definition of happiness? Uh, um, well, it probably connects with, um, because you get to a point where as a psychologist and knowing the research, you can't, you really cannot take my profession out of me and me out of my profession. It mm -hmm. comes together now. And, uh, and, ha and I've so many times observed in my personal experience, the reality of what I see in research that it becomes just one almost. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we know from research is that um, happiness often is a, a result of having clarity on your values and creating uh, life actions and moments on as much as you can daily life that connect with these values. So uh, I think that the more for myself, I can see that connection for what I do in my life, the better. And, uh, and that's, so, and you were asking, say to your question um, again. Personal definition of happiness. Oh, yeah. yeah, personal definition. That, that alignment between our values mm. and uh, and what's going on in our lives. Yeah. Actually, uh, that's a. I love that answer. That's it's a really simple, good way to distill it. Uh, that's great. What are you most afraid of? Oh. <laughs> uh, afraid or hoping people will do things differently is missing the opportunity to take. So such simple actions that can make such a big difference. Um, and, and I think that's in part sometimes the more I, uh, as I mm -hmm. became an author mm -hmm. and spoken to others that, who have been authors, who are authors like yourself as well, sometimes that's part of what the book does is at least it allows for a message to live outside of just conversations we have such that potentially others can in a different way be part of that conversation. So. Um, so it allows more useful information, hopefully, to get in even more hands. So, so that uh, is helping with my uh, that possible uh, desire that we have a conversation about these important topics, as opposed to not having it. Yeah, it's so important. Well, final one. What are you most proud of? Well, now I would have to say, <laughs> right now, uh, that would be the book. But there are many other things. You know, I, I am a sort of a one challenge type of person. One PhD, one child, one book. Not planning to do another one. I've given it all I got. So, um, um, so all these larger projects, I'm very, very proud of. And there are other things too, but uh, that would be my answer for now. There's so much to be proud of, and I'm sure there'll be many, many more of these one challenges that you do in so many different areas over the next period of time. And, uh, you know, I love everything you're doing, and the book looks fantastic. I'm looking at the um, the cover behind me, and, yeah, it looks really nice, and I'm super excited to read it myself. And, yeah, so congratulations again. And, again, anyone listening, make sure to check it out. But thank you so much for making the time and sharing all of that with me today. Absolute pleasure, Nick, and glad I am uh, the record breaker. There you go. You're the record breaker. So anyone else listening, um, yep, we've got a record breaker here. Check out the book. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Thanks so much. Thanks to Dr. Marie-Helene Peltier for joining me today for Move Your Mind. 
Also, a huge thank you to those of you listening. I really appreciate your support. If you'd like to learn more or connect with me personally, visit www.nickbrax.com or send me a DM on Instagram at nickbrax. Please don't forget to click the subscribe button, leave a like or comment, share with your friends, and follow me on Instagram. It really makes a difference. Thank you so much.